Faxi's musical podcast is brought to you by Canna Provisions. Canna Provisions is an adult-use cannabis dispensary with the largest selection of cannabis products in Western Mass, with locations both in Holyoke and in Lee. They offer a warm, unique shopping experience with guides rather than bud tenders. In fact, they're more than just a dispensary. They're a destination. Visit CannaProvisions.com. That's CannaProvisions.com. Adults 21, please, and please consume responsibly. And right now, today's episode of Baxi's Musical Podcast. It's Baxi's Musical Podcast. In 1977, when Great Britain was in the throes of a crippling economic crisis, racial tensions, class warfare, and widespread unemployment, it created the building block for what would inspire bands like the Sex Pistols and the Clash. And while those early punk bands made their share of noise about the horrible conditions of England during Margaret Thatcher's tenure as Prime Minister, she still wound up outlasting most of the noise. Because by 1978, the Sex Pistols were busy falling apart like many other bands would do. Even the Clash were starting to feel the constrictions of punk and decided to diversify their efforts into new musical classifications. And other punk bands were flirting with what would become post-punk, while the country continued to be not much better off than when it all started. But in 1979, it was the specials that would spearhead something different by combining some of the basic elements of punk and melding it to Jamaican ska, which was a precursor to reggae. It was music that was totally danceable, but also included an observational message. And in the course of just two years, the specials would hit the British top ten eight times. Songs like Gangsters, A Message to You, Rudy, Rat Race, and Ghost Town made the specials into instant pop stars who, despite the racial tensions going on throughout the country, were one of the first racially integrated bands to break the British top ten. Led by founder Jerry Dammers, the specials didn't just absorb the attention all for themselves. In 1979, Dammers formed Two-Tone Records, an independent label that released music from the English beat, Madness, The Selector, and even released a single from Elvis Costello, who would go on to produce the specials' first album. The specials were something really special, asserting themselves as one of the greatest live bands ever with incredible songs, a frenetic stage show that included as many as nine musicians at a time, and a punishing schedule that ultimately led to the band breaking up due to exhaustion. The members of the specials would then venture off into separate projects. Terry Hall, Lindell Golding, and Neville Staple would form Fun Boy 3 in 1981. And in 1983, specials bass player Horace Panther joined Dave Wakeling and Ranking Roger from the English Beat to form General Public, whose 1984 single, Tenderness, was an international hit. Once that ended, my guest today, Horace Panther, left music and focused on restarting his very accomplished art career, where his work has now been shown in galleries around the world. He even worked as an art teacher for special needs students before reforming the specials with Terry Hall and Linval Golding. The specials are back, going on a European tour next month. They released a wonderful album last year entitled Protest Songs, 1924 to 2012, and it is fantastic. And as a longtime fan, it was a real pleasure to talk to Sir Horace Gentleman, Horace Panther, from the specials on Baxi's Musical Podcast. Mike, how are good you? Morning. Good morning to you. <laughs> okay. I, uh, it only took me 15 years, but I finally read your book. Not, 
Not, not, has, it been, has it been that long since it was published? I can't remember. Uh, yes, I suppose it was, wasn't it? 2007. Yeah. yeah. It, I mean, it didn't take me 15 years to read it. It just took me 15 years no. to get around to it. So, <laughs> um, But it's a great book, and uh, I was really excited to, to talk to you, not only because I've been you know, a fan of the specials for, for years, but, you know, to kind of get a sense of what, you know, the band was like and what that time was like, because I don't think you can separate the, the, the era from what you guys stood for back then. Sure. The, the, the reason for writing a book, it was basically a love letter, really. Um, quite a few people had written sort of histories of the specials, but they were fans. It was a, a, a fan thing and they were it was a bit too they were a bit too gushing and and um <laughs> the, the the truth wasn't exactly i don't know it was a bit sugar-coated so i i think it's about time somebody wrote a a, a proper um sort of biography of the band and luckily i'd kept diaries when we first went to america and we first went to japan and my luckily my parents bless them um went out and bought the music press every week for like sort of three years and they collected i think in the end there were like 11 scrapbooks of like two-tone interviews so there was a lot of source material and i was always the guy in the band when people go people would come up to somebody and go hey do you remember that time in hamburg when and ask horace <laughs> you know so i was the, i was the one you know who like was 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 the most sober shall we say and i always <laughs> drove the van you know sort of stuff so um so it, it, I mean, yes, it, it, I'm not saying it, was, it wasn't difficult to do, but it, but it was it was fun and 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 reading these bits and pieces um, in the press and whatever sort of triggered other other memories um, that, that that I had. It's weird. I, I I can do all that stuff. Yeah. It's it, it's funny. You could have you know, the, the name of the book is uh, Scott for Life, but you could very easily have called it. It's always something because it 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 seemed like one night you guys would be great and the next night something would would go and mess it up and it was it didn't always seem to be about the guys in the band but circumstance and crowds and sound checks and equipment problems i mean it always yeah. <laughs> wound up being something in the book where you just say man because these guys ever catch a break and really what wound up being a very you know short amount of time that you guys were on the road really that's yes that that's a lot of people sort of forget that i mean more or less two years really from like 1979 to like 1980, no, 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 perhaps three years. Yeah, 1979, 1980, and then the band folded in 1981. Um, yeah, it, it wasn't a lot of time, but it was it was such a well as as you know as the book says, it's quite a punishing schedule. It was quite a punishing schedule. Yeah, we 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 put a lot into a short space of time. Yeah, yeah. and and, it, and, it, and it's amazing that you know I mean. Quite apart from the fact that I'm still getting paid for songs that I recorded over 40 years ago, <laughs> um, that 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 it had the the effect that it did, you know that that the the ripples, you know, have 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 become quite large tidal waves, really, which well, is which is remarkable. Back in September, I I, I did an interview with Dave Wakeling, um, yes, from the beat, and we talked a lot about two tone and the the importance of it and you know, where England was and, you know, the class system, the amount of racism that was involved. And you talked very openly, I mean, in the book that prior to joining the specials, you didn't really have a whole lot of interaction, you know, with people of color, that it, that it was a, actually a, a very new experience for you. But Britain was going through a, a pretty serious class and racial crisis 
at the time. It's remarkable that Two-Tone was tr- did as much as they could to try to beat that down and tackle some of that racist thought. Well, that was the thing about, about the, if you like, punk rock. When punk rock came along, it was it had a social conscience. It it, it was um, concerned with, with sort of, I don't know, that, that sort of the disenfranchised youth that had sort of basically appeared in the, the non-job market. You know, because of things like the, um, you know, well, the, the OPEC oil crisis in 1974 and the sort of the knock-on um, effects of that and the um, depressions and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I mean, it, but it was a, it was a, it was a big deal. I mean, that was part of that, that sort of that, that punk rock e- ethos. It's just that we played um, a different sort of music to the Sex Pistols and the Clash. You know, um, and and you're right. I mean, there, there was, I think, there was one Asian kid at my my school. When I was growing up, I which was a small market town, and as I think I say in the book, I think the the first black person that I actually sat down and and ever had a conversation with was Limbaugh, and I was um I was probably twenty five, twenty six. I went to art school, Michael. You know what I mean? It wasn't like I was um on any picket line right. or whatever. I, I I was in I was in like a I, I I suppose I grew up in the hippie era, but then um. But then I went to art school, you know what I mean? That, that, that's a real social bubble, you know. I think there were a couple of black people at, at art school, but but that was it. If you were, you know, black people didn't go to art school in the 70s. You yeah. Know? It's a, yes, and I, and I suppose, and, and that, that's a class, that's a cultural thing as well, yeah. You know, ska music had always been, you know, a very appealing to, to skinheads, and, you know, you had the National Front, you know, in, in the UK at the time and, and to have integrated bands playing music that prior to two tone had been appealing to rougher elements of, of your society. I, I, you know, I don't think people in this country can understand or really appreciate how shocking that must have been for people to see yeah. you, know, you guys playing ska music with an integrated band. I mean, what was the reaction uh, by people when you first started performing? Um, Okay, I want to sort of pedal back a little bit there. Um, in Coventry, there were an awful lot of um, there. Um, I always think that the Coventry was sort of small enough not to have ghettos. It had an immigrant population, but it didn't have. Whereas Birmingham, which is where Dave Wakeling was, um, was brought up, was quite a big, a bigger city. So you know, a lot of black people would gravitate to the Hounsworth area or whatever. But in, in Coventry, that didn't happen, and. Um, I think the same was true of, of, of the and, and with the music as well. There was a big soul band scene, and um, white guys played with black guys. It was no, it wasn't that much of a big deal. You didn't get the gig because you were, you know, because you had to be black. You got the gig because you were a good musician. You know, um, people from the Specials and the Selector, um, Jerry Dammers, um, Neil Davis, um, Limval, our original drummer Silverton. Um, Charlie um, H, uh, Desmond Brown, they all played in, in, in soul bands. So it, it, in a way, that sort of, it, it was no big deal in Coventry to do that. I remember Dave Wakeling um, telling me that he did this interview and some um, journalist from London was going, hey, Dave, you know, this is a really great socio-political um, you know, um, comment that you're making. Um, having you know in, an integrated band and Dave turned around and said well no actually we got Everett in the band because he was a good drummer not because <laughs> he was black you right. know what I mean so in a, I think a lot of that was kind of I won't say foist upon us we were aware 
that there were um, racial problems in, in Britain and we wanted to play an integrated music, but it wasn't, it wasn't sort of top of the agenda, if you know what I mean. Wow, this music makes people dance. You know, that was the important thing. You know, and it and it's really energetic and, and, and it's really good. And I think, you know, and OK, so we could address racial issues, but it wasn't like we sort of I don't know. It's difficult, isn't it? Because the hindsight says, you know, oh, yeah, look what the specials did for race relations. And that's fantastic. That's really good. But we didn't sort of wake up clutching a, a, a manifesto so much as a, a, a hangover because we'd been out dancing the night before. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, and, and people are going to rewrite history, I suppose, um, like like they, like they always do. But I, and I, I, but I'm, I would honest, I wouldn't say that we started off as a as a big um, socio political movement. We just wanted to make people dance, and 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 we played the the music that people wanted to dance to. It, yes, it's it's funny you say that. There's a there's a great line in the book, and and it, it it's true. It's like two tone almost gave permission for guys to start dancing again. It's like, you know, yes. it's like, you know, one of those things, cause you don't necessarily have to be a great dancer to be, mm. you know, ganking on dance floor. You just, you just don't. Yep. And it's, and that's, to me, that's always been kind of the, the, the cool part about yes, know, yeah. that form of music. I think it was, I think it was Suggs that said that said that, wasn't it? He said yes. Uh, Two tone made it cool for guys to dance. Yeah, but you're right because at discos it was always the girls that danced yep. around their handbags and and the blokes sort of stood at the side, you know, waiting till the until the slow numbers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I right, think that's right. I think most guys. I mean, I know I know for me, you know, sometimes the idea of you know going out and dancing is daunting. It's like, oh my god, I'm going to be dancing with a girl who knows what she's doing, and I don't know what I'm doing. At least with Scott, it didn't, I could just march in place and swing my arms around and that would be good yeah. enough. Yes, although in England, in the, especially in the 60s, the mods, they, they had the dance moves. And then there was that thing called Northern Soul, mm -hmm. which is like all these obscure uh, American um, R&B soul tunes that were, that were, which had a very... Um, uh, the the dancing for for that was was incredible and and that was guys as well as girls but 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 yes i think we have another thing that i thought was <laughs> as always makes makes me laugh is that at christmas 1979 you could imagine a sort of a 15 year old kid going up to his mum and and you know or his mother saying what would you like for christmas and him going i'd like a suit please mum <laughs> you know and there was which I thought was really funny, you know, it's like, you know, and, and, and mum's heart filling with pride. Oh, my God, he's going to grow up. He's going, you know, actually make it a two-tone suit. But it, I just thought it was funny. One of the um, the things in, in the book that is really the, the vision that Jerry Dammers had about this band and, and starting mm. two-tone records, you know, with The Selector and, you know, some of the other bands that were involved early, but, you know, for whatever reason, didn't distribute, you know, you know bad manners and, and English beat and, and, and stuff like that, yeah. as we call them here in the States. But I mean, I mean, it's a pretty interesting thought process that, uh, that he had, or you guys had early on was to have your own record company promote this music. I mean, I mean that was a pretty interesting, you know, approach and, and a lot of independent record companies emerged, you know, here in the States to do kind of a, a little bit of what you guys set out to accomplish. But that was what, one of the liberating things about punk rock was because you could make your own record. You didn't have to sign to CBS or EMI or whatever. And um, but but you you had um, but you but but we we loved Hamla Motown. We loved Stax. And and um, when when you heard you know uh, the introduction of a song, you, you knew 
that, that that's that that's what it was and we wanted that kind of label identity for for our music as well um and i, and I think it was just a, a, a question of you know of, of being like an english tamla motown or an english uh, an english stacks thing and it was interesting because we weren't if, if it was a, if it was just on our own um it's kind of yeah okay fair enough but if if there were like-minded bands it could be a it could be a movement and i think that was um that was what we really wanted but, but we had because the selector were on board anyway and then we we realized that there's a band in london called madness who were doing kind of the same sort of thing and then um we heard of a band from birmingham called the beat or the english beat um and um you know and then it, and so it sort of snowballed so then it became it wasn't just the specials versus the world it was it was this this movement you know and and we had this this uk version of tamla motown or whatever where you know you thought oh and but then two-tone became like a um it wasn't just the name of a record it became like an adjective anyway oh that's a two-tone band you know that's a, a two-tone outfit you know or whatever do you, know, do you know what i mean no i think it did become kind of a a miniature version of of Motown in a way. I mean, there was a certain yeah. specific yeah. sound to uh, to everybody on that label, just like Motown yeah. did in the uh, in the sixties. Yes, yes, yeah. definitely. So one of the things I I really thought was interesting about the book, and I, and I'm and and I'd love to get more of your thoughts about it is is to talk about Rico Rodriguez. He, I mean, to me, yeah. he seems like this elusive enigma in the band. You know, he's got this amazing history behind him. Tell me about playing with Rico and, and, and what he represented to you guys and, and what he was like. As you say, he was one of the original guys, you know. Um, he, he, he maintains that he played on the original uh, message to you, Rudy, um, as I'm sure do an awful lot of Jamaican trombone players. Um, <laughs> but he, he released that um, um, Man From Warica album on Ireland, which I think everybody in the band um, had heard. And was like very much in, in awe of. So it was like he was the real deal. You know what I mean? It's like I mean having a being in, in a blues band and, and having Muddy Waters playing rhythm guitar. You know what I mean? Right. It, it's, it was a real big deal. Um, and like a lot of Jamaican musicians, he never made any money, you know. So if and so along come these upstart English guy, you know, young guys who were playing it far too fast. And, um, and far too loud. Um, but would you like to come on tour with us? How much are you paying? Yes, I'll come. You know what I mean? But he, but he, he, he took to us, and, and we, we took to him. And it, it was, it was lovely. But it was like it was great having someone sort of from the original source, you know, touring with you. Yeah. Um, and, and as I think, as I, as I wrote, I don't think I've ever met a more um, consummate and serious musician. Um, in, in my life, um, we checked into a, we were on tour and we checked into a hotel somewhere. I forget where it was. And we, we checked in and I, I sort of, after about sort of 20 minutes, I came down to reception just to see what was going on. And there was some bloke at reception complaining. He goes, there's all this, no, there's a person in the room next to me playing trombone. I can't concentrate. <laughs> and it, it was obviously Rico, but he was practicing. You know what I mean? Right. We never, pra we never practiced. You know, we we book into a hotel, we go we go down the bar, we go out shopping. You know, the idea of actually getting our guitars out and practicing them was absolutely, you know, what do you want to do that for? But Rico <laughs> we, we took was, you know, he he lived and breathed music. You know, like all he wanted to do was play his trombone. 
you know. <laughs> and um, I think to, to be, and that really sort of, um, for me, that, that really sort of pulled me up short, you know, which is like, hey, if you want to be a musician forever, learn your <laughs> instrument, you know. But, 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 but having Rico with us sort of taught us stuff like that, I think. Yeah. He taught me stuff anyway you also mentioned and i and i i didn't even see it really think of it this way you know i mean the specials are not a small band seven you know full-time members of the band plus you know rico yeah. and, and so it wound up being like and nine it. yeah nine touring musicians in yeah. a band you talked about how you know in, in many ways it's not you know if you were sick of one guy you could go hang out with another and it wasn't yeah. it wasn't like you're you know, you know, it, it, it wasn't like you were in the police or something exactly like that. we got three yeah. guys and if you hate each yeah. other then you got to go call home yeah you know, it's 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 it, it, it's interesting that, that you had the dynamic where it's always kind of you know moving around you know who you're comfortable with who you're trusting yeah. but you know, nevertheless still managing that many guys to do to do that same job night after night i mean it certainly seemed in the book that uh that was a challenge too Yes, yeah, yes, it was. I mean, and and some people um, reacted in, in in different ways. It's it, it's you know, um, some people drank more, some people took more drugs, some people um, withdrew into their shells. You know, it was a, it, it it was difficult, but that's but that was putting us under extraordinary pressure. Really, um, I think we were, we I think we went into it with our eyes open. But that didn't mean to say that we weren't, you know, um, adversely affected by our, by our surroundings and, and what what we did and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's funny. That was a that was a long time ago. Um, it, it, I haven't sort of had that obviously. Yeah. That that, that thing for for um, thought, I haven't thought about it for, for for quite a while. But yeah, you we we did change. We, we were we ended up very different people, um, and some of us were more different. You know, I, I think Terry, who was um, sort of, I, I think he, he was pretty shy, to be honest. I never really knew him that much um, in back, back in the day. It's only recently where I, I've started to, to you know, to, to become friends with him. Um, but he, um, he, he, he withdrew because he, he was the singer and he had girls falling at his feet and all this kind of stuff. And that was a big deal. That was a diff it was difficult to take. He was the youngest out of us. He was 19, 20. The rest of us were like mid twenties. You know, he was a, an original punk rocker. He grew up with uh, Patti Smith and The Clash and The Sex Pistols, where, where, whereas we'd grown up with like, you know, The Searchers or the Spencer Davis group and The Small Faces, you know what I mean? Right. So, so that there, was, there was a difference there. Um, yeah, I, and I think it it it, it, was, it it sounds a great a pop stardom, if you like, sounds a great idea when you're not a pop star, if you know <laughs> what I mean. Right. But then once it sort of, you know, it, it, it sort of smacks you in the face. It's like, I, I don't know if if this was what I signed up for. And you sort of spend your time. Some people can cope with it and some people can't, you know, and some people don't cope with it in different ways. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's, it's particularly hard when you're talking about having, you know, seven to nine people try to yes. cope with it at the same time yeah. too, because with the punishing schedule you guys, uh, you know, took on and it, I mean, it really was pretty punishing. I don't know how many, you know, bands could have even stuck around for the two years that, that you did. Do you think that if you had the chance to have slowed down a little bit, maybe taken more time, you know, either, you know, in between gigs or more time in between records 
that it might have gone on a little bit longer? Or do you think yes, yes, uh, definitely. But uh, let, let me just go back a little bit. It makes it sound like it was horrible being in the specials. It wasn't. It was brilliant. Yeah, Mike. You know what I mean? Uh, it's all. I, you know, I'm just thinking. All, all the people listening are thinking. You know, oh, grow up. You know, you're in. You're, you're on. You know, you're top of the charts. You're touring the world. You know, what are you on about? So, so it, it was great. You know, because we played shows that were in, in, in amazing, and, and we had a great time, and we travelled, and, and and this, that, and that, and, and and the other. But yes, it it was. It, I think if we had of. Well, this is this is the, the benefit of hindsight, isn't it? Yes, it would have been good to have slowed down, but when you're hot, you're hot. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and when you're not, you know, people don't buy your records. I mean, that that happened with the the selector. They had their first album out, which did really well, and then they and then people left, and then they had to get other musicians in, and 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 their second album was like delayed by like six or nine months or something. It came out, and nobody wanted to know. You know, yeah. we that 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 was the nature of the beast um, of in in the music business. So um, I think and trying to to get that balance. And, and we were young, and we were we were full of vim and vigor. And it's like, yeah, well, whatever. We 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 can do this. Actually, we can't. But we just were just full of sort of self confidence and and whatever that we kind of had to go at, at doing it anyway. But I, yeah, that's a lot of hindsight there, uh, Mike. I think. It's a it's a, a a cruel mistress, I think. Yeah. You know, so you know, after all this time, you guys are going to go back out on on the road again. I think in in uh, in June, if I'm not mistaken. What is it like to tour now? You know, with all the hindsight, with all the history, with you know, Lynn Voluntary, and then and, and to and compared to the way it was back then, is is it as enjoyable now? Is it is it? It's it's lovely because it's not so claustrophobic. The schedules are nowhere near as punishing, so it, we can relax a little more. And um, I think, and I can, we can enjoy that. I enjoy the shows more. Back then, there we they there weren't didn't have barriers and stuff like so. Audiences would jump on the stage and all this kind of stuff, and there'd be fights in the audience and all this kind of stuff. So it was it was a although the shows were really exciting, there was this real sort of tension which which, which isn't there now, um, which is great. Because I think a lot of the people who come to see us have, have have sort of grown up and they've gone past all that. So in that respect, it, it, it's great. In another way, it, it isn't. We haven't got that mission. You know, yeah. it's not so exciting. But um, but I think but it, it's commensurate with, with, with our age. I don't. Th I think we're we're too old to have a, that to be that missionary about about <laughs> right. stuff. You know. To, I think obviously we still have our message that that that's inherent in the in the music in the songs that that we play, but it's it's um it, I think it, it's a lot more of a celebration. Not that it wasn't a celebration back then, but it's a lot it's got a lot more history to it, um, and 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 pe people come with their children mm -hmm. who are perhaps in their late teens, or or we have people in their sort of early twenties saying, you know, my parents played me this music from when I was like you know naught. You know, to like last week, and and I've grown up with this with this music, and and that's that that's that that's really lovely, you know, to to get that, and to going on back to something that you said right right early on about the effect that the things that or what we did back in the day, and that sort of that 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 ripple effect, especially in in America, um, 
we played in Silicon Valley about three or four years ago, mm-hmm. and our um, support band was Fishbone. Oh my gosh! I've, all, I've always wanted to, to play. In fact, the one band I was always scared of sharing the stage with <laughs> was Fishbone because their shows were just amazing. But anyway, we got to play um, with, with with Fishbone, and just before they went on, Norwood, their bass player, he came over to me and he sat down and and, and he said, "Horace, you don't know what you guys did back." Um, in you know 1979 you know we were just these black guys who were into devo and we went to see dance craze the, the movie and then we formed a band <laughs> and and that was amazing that was so cool you know he didn't have to say that you know yeah. and when monster player norwood fisher you know I, I, that's that but, and that for me was sort of was the highlight of that particular little tour that somebody like that would sort of come out and say that and and um Earlier in the year, we were in Los Angeles. We were doing a charity event, and Tim Armstrong from Rancid said exactly the same thing. He was like, you know, guy, you know, wow, you know, we saw you on Saturday Night Live. You know, we saw Dance Dance Craze, and and um, and that was such an amazing inspiration for us. And it, it but it, if you like it, it, it's taken for a forty years for me to kind of get comfortable with that. If you know what I mean? Yeah, I can understand how that has to be a little uncomfortable. How do you put that kind of you know, praise into perspective, but you know, like yeah. when you say, you know, these are these guys from Rancid and Fishbone. Um, yeah, you even got my Dance Craze soundtrack right there. There you go. There you go. There you go. But um, it's 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 great you brought up Fishbone. That's like one of those bands I've seen you know a bunch of times, and I never got a chance to see the specials live. Certainly mm-hmm. seen enough YouTube. I saw Dance Craze, and it's like you know, you know what you guys were doing, and 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 I've heard this said before that you know your live shows. When you guys were hot, those shows were almost transcendent. And I, and I kind of, and I kind of believe that because if, if Fishbone took any inspiration from you guys and having seen them a number of times, I mean, they're still one of the best live bands I've ever seen. I don't know how anybody follows them. Yeah. I I was really worried. (laughs) But, um, well, they weren't. Perhaps they weren't firing on all four, on all six cylinders that night. Yeah. So we've gone a bit off the track. I bit. But I wanted to put that in. I I do want to ask um uh, a little bit about your artwork because I've spent some time looking at it and I and I think it's oh, okay. I think it's wonderful and 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 one of the things that that really caught my eye for ten years you were teaching art to uh, special needs kids, and I yeah. think that's I think that's amazing. My wife is a special needs teacher. So wow, I, okay. I'm I'm particularly interested in and you know what age group were you uh, were you teaching? Well, it was secondary school. Um, I'm UK, so that's like um, eleven to sixteen. Mm. What, what's that? What's that in America? Is that middle school? Um, yeah. Well, that would be like a middle school to uh to say like the second year of high school. Tell me about that experience and 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 how important art has been to you because I mean the the work is terrific. Thank you. Um, well, I met. I met Jerry Dammers at art college. I went to art college. What, what are you going to do when you're 16? I haven't got the faintest idea what I was going to do, but I know I like being creative and, and, I, and, and I, I, I had a bass guitar. Um, but I, I, went, I ended up going to, um, to art school and then I, I learned to play my bass guitar and I met Jerry. But art's always been around. You know, I, I became a musician, but um, being in the specials was a fabulous excuse to travel the world and visit some of the world's great art galleries. You know, yeah. New York, the Museum of Modern Art, and the Whitney, and um, and all that kind of stuff. Guggenheim, you know, was was fantastic. And going to Madrid and seeing Guernica, and all that kind of stuff. Um, 
so I was it was it was, I was always interested in it. Um, and then when sort of I stopped playing or I stopped playing music professionally um, for a while, um, and I had a I, I can use my degree to get a, a teaching qualification, and I ended up in this special needs school um, teaching art. But it, art was was it's always been interesting, um, for, especially for special needs children because you can you can achieve you you can you can do stuff uh, without and perhaps it, without if your literacy or numeracy isn't so good but you can still achieve through drawing and through painting and and stuff like that and um i i, I really enjoyed it. it and it made me focus differently on on um, on on what i wanted to do as an artist plus the fact that this is when you're a musician as often as not you're self employed so joining this school once a month the sum of money would appear yeah. by magic in my bank <laughs> that was the cool thing you know that that, that that was so but that which which is being a bit sort of like um a, a bit facetious i don't mean to be facetious um <laughs> no it was it was a it was a cool thing to do i yeah. I, I, I enjoyed it when it was great it, it was it was it was wonderful it was really good and when the specials reformed with um in 2000 well christmas 2008 i left teaching um and there was a lot of downtime, so I just sort of started painting. And um, and my wife came back one day, and there's all these she's going, look, you know, let me, we need to try and sell these because they're just, you know, getting in the way. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so then, then, um, the, the, this art career started. I want to ask you like one more question because I know you, I, I don't have you for a whole lot of time here, but I've been reading a little bit about about Jerry Dammers, and there seems to be this. I don't know if it's a misunderstanding or different interpretation of you know why he's no longer with the band. He thinks one thing, and, and Terry has said another. What's what's your feeling about what's going on with uh, with Jerry and 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 why he's not playing with you guys? Okay, we had this idea of reforming um, in I think it was, it was two, uh, we we had it in, in two thousand and five, but it just the, the planets weren't aligned at all. And, and I think and I, I was I just sort of started teaching full time and I didn't want to want to quit. But then 2008 comes along and it's like we, we all had a meeting. We all met together in, in, in London. Um, I picked up Roddy in my car. I could really have done without it because I was teaching. You know what I mean? And I think right. it was on like a third night, you know, and I really needed to get get to bed early because I had to sort of teach you. But anyway, I went down to London to have this meeting. And because there, there were sort of movements about getting the whole thing together, it just became apparent after sort of 30 seconds that it was like the, 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 the Jerry was trying to tell everybody what he wanted. And it was his group mm. and which worked in 1979. But there had been like 30 years for people to mature have their own sort of solo careers or whatever they were just right. but it it just i think the fact that jerry formed the band was never an issue the fact that he owned it was um and so yeah you you were now as opposed to sort of being kids we were adults and and it just it just wasn't going to work with him being him in personality stuff i mean your know, groups groups are all about people skills you know what i mean um, oh the band split because of musical difference no they didn't 
they are lying. Yeah. It's nothing to do with that. You know, it's it's stupid stuff. You know, the 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 singer falls in love with the drummer's girlfriend. You know what I mean? It it's stuff like that. You know, the um the the bass player um drinks too much. You know, the 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 drummer does too many bad drugs. You know what I mean? It, it's it, 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 it's 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 all people's guilt. You know? Yeah, and and I that's so it, it's a shame. And I am um. And, and as I say, I still get paid for stuff that I recorded for 40 years ago. If I hadn't have sort of fallen in with Jerry, you know, and, and followed his vision, then I wouldn't be where I am now. So I, I, I will not say a bad word uh, uh, about him, you know, because, yeah. you know, the, for the stuff that, 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 he's, that, that he did. But um, that's really why it, it just wasn't. We just knew that it wasn't going to work. Whereas the rest of us were prepared to if not bury the hatchet, at least put it in a cupboard somewhere so it wasn't on, on view. Do you know what I mean? I do. I do. So, so that, that's, that, that was really how it worked. Horace, I, listen, I, I really appreciate the, the time today. It's a real pleasure to, to speak to you. I, like, I love the book. I've been listening to Specials music since, since the 80s, and it's a real thrill to spend some time with you today. So thank you so much. Mike, okay, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much, and my best to Claire. The name of the book from Horace Panther is called Scod for Life. It's 15 years old. It's a great book. I hope you find it, and I hope you enjoyed it. And thanks for listening. Feel free to uh, share it, subscribe it, review it, and tell all your friends about it. You can email me at bax at rock102.com. Thanks to Canna Provisions for their support, and you can support them by going to cannaprovisions.com. We'll see you next time on Baxi's Musical Podcast.